Hallelujah. I would like to welcome everyone. I see a number of our brothers and sisters from the Maryland, D.C. district that have come tonight, and we welcome you. We are happy to have you with us tonight. If you are a guest tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service this evening, and we are so glad to have you with us in service tonight. If you're watching us online, wherever you may be watching from, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. We are. It's great to have Brother Reveille in service with us this evening. He is an evangelist, preached at Brother uh, Mangles and Frederick this morning, and came to visit us this evening, so we welcome him tonight, and uh, happy to have him, and to all of you that are usually here, it's good to have you here as well, amen, praise God, if you're not standing and you're able to do so, I've heard some great reports about the service here in Arnold this morning, I had a a, uh, great privilege this morning to uh, preach at CLC for Pastor and Bishop Libby, and uh, that was a great honor and what they've meant to us in this church and the relationship we've had, but I heard some great things about the service this morning, and I believe God's got some things in store for us here tonight. Amen. I, a couple of years ago, I think it was now, at our general annual general conference, Brother Chris Green was one of the speakers One of the evenings, I had never heard of him, never met him, but he preached a very powerful rhema from God that night, and uh, then we found out he was going to be our camp speaker, and we were excited about that, and then found out there was a chance (laughs) that he had today open, and uh, that was kind of back and forth for a little bit, and then uh, we finally were able to find out he definitely could be with us this Sunday And uh, the young people can testify to the fact what a powerful week this week at youth camp. Awesome moves of the Holy Ghost. And Brother Green, as a vessel of the Lord, was a a big part of that. And so, Brother and Sister Green and their son Levi, it is a great honor. And we are so thrilled to have you guys at Antioch. And uh, hopefully you made yourself at home this morning, but I'm asking you to come and make yourself at home tonight, do whatever the Lord wants. Praise the Lord, everybody. Well, would you just take a moment and do what you feel to do in the Holy Ghost? If you feel to clap your hands, if you feel to shout with a voice of triumph, somebody might want to take another lap. I don't know, but just take a moment. Because we are free to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in this house. So take that moment of liberty and just worship Him. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. Oh, hallelujah to your holy name. We worship you, almighty God, in this house. Amen and amen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for the joy and privilege to be here So thankful for the move of God that we had this morning. Amen. I want to take your attention to the book of Romans chapter 4. If you just get your Bibles ready, they said the projector screen is down. So we're just going to do it old school and use uh, something called the Bible. Amen. 
I just did the North Dakota youth camp and, and I told them what scripture to turn to and I heard this weird sound. It was like... I looked up, I thought it was birds flying in the sanctuary and it wasn't. It was people turning pages. You don't hear that sound anymore, you know. Amen. But it's been a high joy to be here with Antioch Pentecostal Church. And uh, I was telling telling Brother McGurk, I said, man, I don't feel like I'm allowed to have any anointing today because of how spoiled I am. Driving a nice car, wearing somebody else's tie. I didn't have any ties with me. And uh, eating crab. I mean, I've eaten so much crab, it's coming out of my nose. <laughs> and I love every second of it. And it's been amazing. And uh, we're just so spoiled. And I was telling them, I said, you know, every time I read of someone getting anointed, they were eating locust, you know, or... Or not eating at all, you know. And I'm over here just eating crab, Maryland crab for that, you know. It's not just any crab. It's Maryland crab. Amen. Amen. But I've been so blessed to be here the last few days and, and to enjoy the presence of God that, that is in this region. I want you to know that there is an, a, a mighty awakening, a spirit of revival that's taking place here in this region. It's happening right now. I don't want anybody to think we're waiting on it. We're looking around the corner. We're still praying for it. No, no, no. It's here now. Wake up and smell the coffee. He's here right now. Somebody say he's here right now. Amen. Romans chapter 4. And don't worry, my timer has already begun. Um, I've got at least 12 hours worth of preaching on me right now. But I will promise you this. When God steps in, I'll step out. Amen. When God moves in, if it's in five minutes, five seconds, I will get out of the way. I won't preach 12 hours because I know God's going to move in here in just a few moments. But I feel like I have a word from God tonight. I want to read verses 17 through 21 from Romans chapter 4. Let's go back to uh, verse 12, actually, if you don't mind. Verse 12. This is one of those verses that as soon as you read it, people are going to go crazy and start running the aisles. Watch this. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Somebody already got it. (laughs) He don't want that 12-hour sermon. Jumping down to verse 17, it says, as it is written, this is, this is what God said to Abraham. I have made thee a father of many nations. That's what God spoke to Abraham back in Genesis 12. He said, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead. Watch this. Now, it's going to sound like God's a liar, but we know he's not. It says, and God who calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope. Now it's speaking of Abraham. Okay. This is the steps of faith of Abraham. Watch. Who against hope. Believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken. Everybody say spoken. So shall thy seed be. That's what God spoke. And here's Abraham's faith. And being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old everybody say that's old praise God neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb verse 20 he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded 
that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Amen. I just want to preach on this subject in the steps of that faith. In the steps of that faith. God, we love you and we thank you and we we feel your presence in such a mighty way. God, standing here right now, I feel that the anointing of your spirit is in this room, Lord. And now we know, we believe, and we expect that your word is about to be delivered, God, to expand our knowledge and faith of you, God. But I pray that you would manifest yourself through the gift of faith, that everyone in this room, God, would be compelled to your spirit tonight, responding with the reckless abandonment, God, uh, releasing all doubt and unbelief and simply walking to your word in the steps of that faith. And everybody said, in the name of Jesus. Say it one more time with faith, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I may not be able to scream like I usually like to scream. It's kind of, I just did three youth camps in a row and and, uh, and I wouldn't want it any other way. That's not a complaint. Um, I've had a good time, but if I don't, if I don't kind of do that, it might get there. But uh, if I, if I, if I'm not fully there, just uh, don't don't depend on my volume. Amen. There's power in the Word of God if you're just whispering. I've seen many people. In fact, I saw it at youth camp just the other night. People received the Holy Ghost in a whisper. Because there's just people who have different personalities, you know. And I've seen people who were struggling to get it because us Pentecostals were thinking power depends on volume. And we do know that we do need to lift up our voice and to shout with praise unto God. But I've seen people, even this past week at youth camp, who their personality, you know, the moment they start to shout, they get distracted and get nervous. And I've told them before many times, I've said, just whisper and begin to praise his name. And in a whisper, they begin to speak in other tongues. There is power in the word of God, no matter who is speaking it or the volume of the one who's speaking. Everybody said, amen. 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 In Romans chapter four, Paul is speaking about walking in faith. And this morning, if you were here with us in attendance in the service this morning, it wasn't really my intention, but the Lord dealt for just a moment of walking in faith. And stepping and living in faith. And it's almost become a cliche to walk by faith. Or at least to use those words. To walk by faith. It's almost become a cliche because we use it so often. But yet often we don't see the action of it or the lifestyle revealed through our walk with God. Instead we see more as I said this morning. A walk of understanding and a walk of perception. As opposed to a walk of faith and a walk of belief in the word of God. I started to tell a story this morning and never even got halfway through that story. Because God just kind of went. <laughs> and we detoured and went in a different direction. But, but I began to tell this morning how when God taught me personally what it was and what it meant to walk by faith. I was raised in church, not specifically, as I mentioned earlier, not a Pentecostal church my whole life, but I was raised in church. And most churches, if not all churches, will will claim to believe in walking by faith or stepping out by faith. But that looks very different from from most of us. As apostolics, we, we don't just teach a word and we don't just preach a word and we don't just learn or memorize a word, but... In fact, to to be apostolic is to have the lifestyle 
of what we believe and what we preach. And that's why the Bible says that we were built, we were brought together, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And we don't just call ourselves Pentecostal because of the day of Pentecost, but rather because of the experience that we receive concerning that day of Pentecost. And we call ourselves apostolic because if someone were to say, I'm athletic, but then doesn't live the life of an athlete, we would call them a liar. <laughs> say, man, I'm, I'm athletic, but I eat Big Macs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, I, I drive by the gym every day. <laughs> we would say, well, you're not athletic because you're not an athlete. And many people I've seen sometimes, they've said, I'm, I'm apostolic, but yet don't live the lifestyle of an apostle, which is simply to walk in the steps of that faith. No matter what obstacle or what we see in our perception, because when you live by faith and walk by faith, the proverb or the phrase perception is reality does not refer to us. Perception is only your reality when you walk in the steps of understanding. What I was telling this morning is that I was in Vienna, Austria doing a Holy Ghost rally and last minute we found out that there was a Muslim revival that we were going to have on that Saturday afternoon because there was some Muslim, over 100,000 Muslim Iranian refugees that had moved in to the city of Vienna in the last 12 months preceding our visit there. And one of the men of that church, that apostolic church in Vienna, he is also himself he was an Iranian Muslim man that worshipped Allah his whole life. And yet the last two years leading up to this day that we came on that Saturday, he was receiving dreams and visions of seeing Iranian Muslims on a train with him in the city of Vienna on the way to the Church of Acts. And when we got there... Brother Robinette had said, we're having revival right now with these Muslims. We're not waiting. We may not have the money or the blueprint or, or the wherewithal of how to do all of this, but we've got to strike now while the iron is hot. And they went out on that Friday afternoon and they began to pass out invitations all over this place, all over this refugee camp to Iranian Muslims and who were there uh, scattered away from their families and their homes. And they began to invite them. And began to tell them, if you'll come, we'll give you free food. <laughs> That's one of the best ways to get people to follow you. Free food. It don't matter what. We've been in, we've been in over 30 countries and it works everywhere. <laughs> free food. People say, yes, I don't care. Where, where are we going? I don't, it doesn't matter. Just free food. <laughs> and in fact, in Australia, we've seen a group of people one time, uh, we, we, we told them after service there would be free food. And while I was preaching, uh, there was glass doors, and I noticed a line start congregating at the doors. They never came in. They were just waiting for the end of the service so they could get the free food. <laughs> and as soon as service was over, no, no, no joke, like a, I mean, just a stampede of, of hyenas. They just came in there and got all the free food and then left. <laughs> so then they had to kind of, uh, you know, rephrase that. There's free food if you come in church during the service. But there in Vienna, it was amazing because they were able to acquire approximately 30. Actually, there were supposed to be 70 people. About 70 of those refugees had said, yes, we will come. 
And on that Saturday, the church took up an offering and paid for all of their train tickets to get on a train. There, Arash's dream came to fruition when he stood on a train with over 70 Iranian Muslim refugees on that train with him headed to the church of Acts, just like God had showed him. And now there was a little bit of an obstacle. They had to change trains a few times and Several of these Muslim people got on the wrong train at several separate occasions. And what showed up that service on Saturday was only 27 Iranian Muslims. But we knew that God was still in it anyways. And they walked in and we would go up to them and we would start, you know, introducing ourselves to them and realized that they don't speak English or German or French. They only spoke Farsi. And we did what well, I just call us dumb Americans do. <laughs> you know, when you shake someone's hand who doesn't speak your language and say, hey, how you doing? My name's Chris. Welcome to church. And they say, no, don't speak it. And so instead of getting an interpreter, we speak louder. <laughs> Hi, my name is. <laughs> do you speak? <laughs> like they're not deaf. They don't speak English. <laughs> you ever done that? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I can hear you now. Okay. And what was interesting is when we sat them down, for whatever reason, it just happened like this. All the Muslim people sat on one section and all the Pentecostals sat on the other section. It just happened that way. And when we started service, that Church of Acts is a crazy apostolic church, a lot like this one. And the moment the music began, all the Pentecostals rushed into the altars and started like a Holy Ghost mosh pit and just started, I mean, jamming and carrying on and headbanging in the Holy Ghost. And we're running the aisles. And I mean, I don't speak Farsi, but I do speak first time visitor. (laughs) And all those first-time visitors from Iran were elbowing each other with eyeballs as big as saucers, thinking, oh, my goodness, what have we just gotten ourselves at? Where's the free food? We might need to skip the free food and just call it a diet and leave. I know exactly what they were saying because they were laughing and elbowing each other and saying, look at her, look at him. Oh, my goodness, what have we gotten ourselves into? But by the second or third song, the Holy Ghost was moving in such a powerful way that these Iranian Muslims started filing out of their pews and joining in the the, the party that was going on at the altar. And they were crying and weeping, didn't even know the name of our God, didn't know the words to our songs, but they were feeling something they had never felt before in their lives. Then I got up to preach and and I had a, a Rosh who I talked about this morning. This was the man who was having the dreams and visions of this taking place. And he got up. He had never touched a microphone in his life. Never been on the platform a day in his life. And he was my interpreter. And when I said, praise the Lord, everyone, he asked me two or three times, can you repeat that? Can you say it again? Can you say it one more time? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I got louder and louder so he could understand. You know, he wasn't really getting it. Arash at that time did not speak very good English. And it's not a good thing to have an interpreter that doesn't speak your language. I mean, I spent five minutes just trying to praise the Lord, everyone. He wasn't getting through. And so finally, I literally, I had a whole, I mean, 10 pages of notes of how to get the Holy Ghost. What's the Holy Ghost? How to lift your hands. How to praise God. Who God is. What his name is. And I had all these notes and I was going to educate them so that they could come. And don't get me wrong. We need the education. That's not the point here. But I turned off my notes and this is what this great evangelist full of faith said in my mind. I said, God, nobody's getting the Holy Ghost today because I can't teach them what it is. 
And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Nobody ever receives a miracle through a step of understanding. God said, Everyone that receives my Spirit or my power receives it through a step of faith. So I said, all right, God, well, this is going to be a big step of faith because they don't know the name of Jesus. They don't know who God is. They don't know anything about the spirit. They never seen him on speaking tongues. They don't know anything about that stuff. Uh, but neither did the people on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> so I just got in Arash's ear and I said, figure out a way to tell these Iranian Muslim people to get up to the altar, to lift up their hands and simply say, I give my life to Jesus Christ. It took a little bit, but he finally got them up to the altar and they started lifting up their hands and saying, I worship Jesus. I praise Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. And in just a few short minutes, at least 15 of those Muslims started speaking in other tongues. And what was so amazing is just like they were elbowing each other at the beginning, they start, I'll never forget it. They started elbowing each other again saying, look, look at my tongue. Something is happening to my mouth. I can't control this. This is happening to me. We baptized them in the name of Jesus and we went out to eat. And, and I got to just tell you this part of the this is story after story after story, but I got to tell you this part. And we go out to eat and I'll never forget sitting next to Brother Robinette and he gets a phone call from Arash who had taken them back to the refugee camp. And, and, and Arash calls him and says, Brother Robinette, his first words, we're sitting there at the restaurant. He says, Brother Robinette, the Muslim revival is over. Well, we just had them all get the Holy Ghost. What are you talking about? He said, it's over. He said, we just got back to the refugee camp. And what we didn't know is in that service with us, there was two spies that came into that service with us, radical Islam spies. And when we got back to the refugee camp, they ran in and got other men and they came out with clubs and different things and beat every one of them down to a bloody pulp. He said, I'm standing here with them now. He said, several of them are unconscious. Many of them are bruised and beaten, black eyes. Some of them broken noses. They've been beaten down. And he said, then they came to me and said, Arash, if you ever show your face here at this refugee camp again we will kill you and anyone that goes with you I can't tell you my wife is there I cannot tell you what that did to us when we heard that and felt the conviction of people that we had just laid our hands on and seen them filled with the Holy Ghost and a few hours later now they've been more persecuted than I've ever been in 31 years more persecuted I've never faced personally anything like that in my life. Yeah, we've had problems. And yes, our car breaks down. And yeah, you know, things happen. And you know, we got to wait for things, you know. And we got these first world problems. And they're real problems. But I've never been persecuted like these people who had only had the Holy Ghost for just a few short hours. And Brother Robinette said, Arash, the revival is not over. He said, this is what happened when, this is what happens when God begins to move. This is what happens when we begin to ruffle the feathers of the enemy and the spirit of the age that's trying to come up against the apostolic people. He said, but this is what we're going to do. He said, we're going to go to the church and pray and we're going to ask God to send a warring angel into that refugee camp. He said, and tomorrow morning, which would have been Sunday morning, he said, you're going right back to that refuge. Easy for Robinette to say, you know, he wasn't the one going, but he said, you're going right back 
back to that refugee camp and we're going to see more Muslim people get the Holy Ghost than this world has ever seen. That very next morning, guess what happened? Aras went right back to that refugee camp. And guess what really happened? It was amazing to see it. He had a group of people. And most of them were the people that had just come the night before and been beaten and been bruised right then and there the night before. The same people that had been persecuted were lined up ready to go to church the very next morning. And they didn't come by themselves. They brought friends. They brought family members uh, they brought brothers and sisters uh, and they came and filled the front three pews of that church And on that Sunday morning, we saw again another 15 Muslims uh, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues uh, and baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, we left and we came back uh, about three months later and, and there was now a whole slew of these people. I mean, there was close to a hundred of these Muslim people now that had received the Holy Ghost in a matter of months. Uh, and we came back and there was a man who was about 23 or 24. His name is Nabi. And I preached a sermon that Sunday and he was down at the altar praying and they said, Brother Green, you got to pray for Nabi. He's, he has not spoken in tongues since the first time he got the Holy Ghost because he's afraid. He's terrified because of what he has gone through since he got the Holy Ghost. It has scared him to receive it again. I said, all right. And we went over here and we prayed for Nabi and he was refilled speaking in tongues. I mean, slain in the spirit again. It was amazing. And, and they brought, it was about an hour and a half to two hours of people praying in the altar that Sunday morning. And it was time for the ladies to clean up. They have these uh, I don't know why I go on all these rabbits. They have like an army of Filipino ladies that, I mean, when it's time to clean, they just come in there and they clean everything up. I mean, just like that. It's amazing. They got amazing apostolic uh, uh, people who just work so hard in that church. It's amazing. And, and uh, uh, that was another story for another time. But they, they pick up Nobby and they carry him to the prayer room. And about 30 minutes later, somebody comes to me and says, Brother Green, and Nobby is shaking in fear. You've got to go back there. He's terrified. I mean, we can't, we can't wake him from this fear. And I go into the prayer room and I peek in. I said, Nobby's not afraid. He's drunk in the Holy Ghost. So I leave and I go about my business. Another 30 minutes goes by and somebody comes back and says, Brother Green, you've got to go speak to Nobby. He is so afraid. He won't get up. He won't leave the prayer room because he's too terrified to leave the church. He might get beat up again. And I said, all right, I'll go back. Maybe I missed it. I go back into the prayer room with an interpreter who did speak English. And, and uh, she comes in there with me and we speak to Nobby and I'm trying to get his attention. He's not paying attention. I'm trying to wake him up. And finally, he kind of looks up. I said, sit up, buddy. And he sits down and he's just sitting there and and just speaking in tongues. And I said, Nobby, listen to me, Bubba. Just listen to me. Let me talk to you. And he's just sitting there just speaking in tongues, just going on and on and on. He cannot stop speaking in tongues. And finally, I, I asked him, I said, Nobby, are you afraid? And that's what got his attention. He stopped. And he looked at me and through his language, the interpreter, he said, afraid? Afraid of what? He said, this is what he said. He said, right now, as I'm talking to you, I can literally feel the heat. 
of God's spirit coming out of my mouth right now. This is what he said. He said, for the last 20 years, I've given my life to a figment of my imagination named Allah. He said, every day I was taken to a mosque where I laid on a prayer mat for hours and hours every day. And not one time did that God speak back to me. He said, but one moment at the altar of your God, not only did he, did he speak back to me, but he's filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you what, uh, we serve a God that's alive. We serve a God that is the only God. We serve a God that's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We serve the only God. But what God taught me through all of that uh, is you will only see the results of faith and the consequences of faith if you walk in the steps of that faith. Yes, you can see things and be blessed uh, if you work in your own ability. But what God showed me in, through that experience is uh, if you only operate where you're comfortable, you will only see what's available within that realm or dimension or box. But when you say no more, I'm sick sick and tired of average church. I'm sick and tired of average living. I'm sick and tired of not, uh, I'm pushing up against it right now. I can feel it. I'm sick and tired of not seeing things happen. I'm sick and tired of my children being lost. I'm sick and tired of just being average. I want to see the dimension of apostolic anointing. That's when you got to get up and say, I will walk in the steps of faith. We're going to go forward just a little bit because I got to, got to get this out and I'm going to push up against it tonight. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 1, it defines what faith is. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Watch this. The evidence of things can't see it. If you can see it, it's not faith. If you can rationalize it and understand it, it's not faith. Then verse three says, by faith, we understand. <laughs> Almost an oxymoron. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed. Watch this. By the word of God. The thing you can't see. By the word of God. So that, the, watch this. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It says the things that we see right now, this dimension of the touchable, the tangible, the five senses that we have, uh, the things that we can see and taste and hear and smell, these things were not made by things that are seen. These things were made by the word of God. Now, you're going to have to really pay attention, maybe get your Bibles out, whatever you got, and read this with me because our projector's down. But I want you to hear this because... Hebrews 11, the same chapter tells us what the faith of Abraham is and looks like. We're going to go through this for just a moment. It says in verse 8 of Hebrews 11, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, by faith Abraham obeyed. Everybody say, obey. See, you cannot obey without faith. You cannot obey God without faith. You can obey your husband, your spouse, your wife, uh, your boss, your math teacher. You can obey all of that 
with understanding. But when a God of another world and dimension, a supernatural being that we cannot see, tells you to do something, the only way possible to obey that word is by faith. Okay, I got to break it down. I can tell. Y'all want to play a little game? Y'all ready? Now, y'all, you got to interact with this, okay? I'm going to test y'all now. I've tried this in other places. They, they, they didn't follow along very well, but we're, we're in... You know, it's the smart northeast here, so you guys are going to get this. What's two plus two? That's about 60%. The others are waiting for faith to hit them. Let's try that again. What's two plus two? All right. What's three plus three? Did you feel that rush of faith that just swept in here? No, because that wasn't faith. How many of you had to lift your hands and say, oh, hey, oh, hey, why? I feel, why? I hope not. <laughs> the moment I say one plus one, and instantly there's an answer in your brain. Why? Because you understand it. The instant I say two plus two, you see it, it's four. And I could come to you and say, well, I, I feel... <laughs> I've been feeling something different. I, I feel it's six. You say, you're an idiot. Now, I don't care what you feel. The facts say it's four. I know it. I didn't have to lift my hands. I can jump to this floor right now and say, hey, I did not have to pray and plead for this floor to hold me up because I can see it. I understand two plus two is four. I don't have to pray for this chair to hold me up. When I sit down, I know it's going to hold me up. But I can't see God. And when I jump into the dimension of God's anointing and plan and purpose for my life, when I can't see the hands that are about to catch me, I've got to close my eyes and say, in the name of Jesus, here I go. But I believe, and you can believe this or not, and you can say, well, yes, we believe that, but it's not here. That's fine. But what I've seen on our travels uh, is we've got a bunch of Pentecostal people who are operating in, operating in the dimension of understanding, uh, compromising what God has prepared for. I'm not talking about salvation. You ready for it? You're saved. I'm not talking about when the trumpet sounds, where are you going? We got that. But until that trumpet sounds, we've got a work to do here. And God says, I've got people that I'm ready to give you an influence in your job, in your family. I'm ready to give you an authority, an anointing, a demonstration of my spirit. But I can't demonstrate in the dimension of understanding. Where's all that in the Bible? Here you go. Ephesians chapter 3 speaks of the unity of the body. Go read it. Man, this is, a whole, this is like hour number 11 of this sermon. But I'm just going to jump back there and then come back, okay? Ephesians 3 speaks of the unity of the body. Read it. Towards the end of Ephesians 3, it starts talking about all the saints, all the saints, all the people. It never speaks to one person. Paul is speaking to all the saints, all the church. If you'll come together being rooted and grounded in love, he says. If you'll come together in unity 
He says, then you can experience. The word says comprehend, but that word in the original means to experience or, or to, 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 to be overwhelmed by or, or to almost like taking a drink of water and uh, consuming it, to possess it. He says, you will experience. Watch this. He says, the depth, the length, the width, the height, the fullness of God. The fullness. Somebody say the fullness. I don't know about you, but I don't just want a little portion of God. I don't just want... Oh, we got it. And I want, see people, we got people get the Holy Ghost today. Oh, we had a good sermon. We had a good touch. We had a good word. We had a good this. We had a good that. I want everything God has for us. But Paul says, you can't have the fullness of God unless, number one, you come together being unified. And then Ephesians 3.20 says, after the discussion of unity by all the saints coming together, being rooted and grounded in love, experiencing the fullness of God. Then Ephesians 3.20 says, and unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. But then it goes on and says, according to the power that worketh in us. What's the power that worketh in us? Faith. (laughs) He says, if you can come together being unified in faith, then you can experience the fullness of God. I was, I was, I got to tell some things because they're quiet. So I just got to talk. Okay. I got to travel. And if you think whatever, I never talk about this publicly because it's sacred to me. Brother Mike and I have talked about it. You think what you want, okay? I traveled for a year with Brother Stone King and going to different conferences. And we went to a, a conference not far from here where you met him, Brother Mike, we, up here at Time of Harvest. And, and I went to this Time of Harvest meeting with him. And, and I'm sitting over on the platform, you know, just sitting over here watching him do his stuff, you know. And, and uh, he's about 10 minutes into his sermon. And all of a sudden, just, Pow! you know, I don't know what that is. But you know what I'm talking about. He's, Pow! you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God does that here all the time, right? Just We don't have another word for it, so we just say Man, how was church today, man? It just went Wow, it's amazing. And that happened about 10 minutes into this sermon. And I mean, it was amazing. There was, you know, 1,500 people there, whatever. And and long story, long story long, um, there was people that went, there was people that congregated in each four corner of that sanctuary. It was amazing what happened. I mean, for hours this went on and, and it was just amazing to see there was healings and I could literally go down the list of testimonies of one guy whose right leg was twice the size of his left leg, eaten up with blood clots. We laid hands on it and shoo, it's, it shrunk up and was healed, made instantly whole, just like his left leg. He got up and started running around the sanctuary. It was amazing. I mean, just uh, uh, testimony after testimony. And I could literally see a tangible sign of God's spirit moving around the room like a funnel cloud or something. Just going like this, like a tornado, tornado, like a whirlwind. It was spinning like this in the room. And this group would over, would begin to shout and scream and go crazy. And then they'd go down and it would move over to this group. And then it would move over to this group. And it was just going around and there was tongues and interpretation. There was the gift of faith. There was the gifts of healing, the discerning of spirits, I mean, words of wisdom and knowledge and, and prophecy and the working of miracles. It was all there. It was amazing what happened. And I, and I remember going home afterwards to eat at the pastor's house. And I was sitting next to Brother Stonkey and I said, I said, Brother Stonkey, what in God's name was that all about? You know, he said, what are you talking about, boy? I said, what was that? He said, what do you mean? 
I said, I've never seen anything like that in all of my life. He said, oh, that was the fullness of God. I said, well, why haven't I seen that before? He, he said, because everybody always has an agenda when they come into church. He said, but tonight, notice, he said, I, no one had an agenda other than to get to the throne room of God. He said, and notice, he said, when someone stood up and gave that word, that was the, that was the office of a pastor. And then somebody stood up over here and spoke this, and that was the office of an apostle. And then this happened, and that was the gift of faith. He said, notice that the fivefold ministry was in operation at the same time. And the gifts of the Spirit were in operation at the same time. He said, but it happened through a multitude of people in every Everybody got involved at the same time. He said, that's what's capable when everybody comes together and says, God, not my will, but your will be done. Man, oh man. And so Hebrews 11, I got to get to this quickly. Verse 8 says that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Notice, he did not receive it. And what I always say is, okay, God, you promised me this. Well, when you give it to me, I'll go. It's like I'm always afraid to move before receiving what God has promised me. You know, that'd be like... Me going to my wife and saying, you know, I'm afraid to take out the trash before you give me permission to do so. Or, hey, babe, I was going to buy you flowers, but, you know, you didn't tell me that you wanted flowers. So (laughs) any parents ever walked home and your kids already washed the dishes once and you say, what's up? What'd you do or what do you want? He said, why don't you wash the dishes yet? Well, you didn't tell me to yet, or I didn't know if you wanted them to be done. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I didn't want the dishes to be done. That's why I just left them sitting there today. But that's how I am with God a lot of times. Like, okay, God, you promised this for me, but I'm just going to keep sitting in the same pew, sitting in the same chair, singing the same songs, doing the same thing, expecting something new to happen. Because I'm afraid that you don't want me to step out by faith. I kind of got on this a little bit at youth camp, but that's why God's given us the five-fold ministry. It says for the perfecting of the saints. So that gives me liberty. Watch this. That gives me liberty to cross the line of faith and say, okay, I've got a pastor that if or when I step out of line, he's right there to say, hey, just a second. I, I don't, I don't need y'all to run in the aisles. I, I know I'm in the Holy Ghost right now because God's about to take this place to another dimension that you have never seen before when just a couple of you, it's not going to be everybody, but there's going to be a couple people up in this place that say, God, I'm sick and tired of just sitting and waiting. I'm ready to march. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to shout. I'm ready to live by faith and do what God has called.
We've got to trust our God and trust our leadership that says, okay, pastor, I'm not going to make you push me out anymore. That's what our pastors are consumed with doing now. They get up here every week pleading for our people to go, 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 pray, fast, worship, give, sacrifice, testify, witness, evangelize, Bible studies, go. But what if we turn that around? And we went so fast and we went so far and we stepped out by faith so much uh, that we changed his entire operation around where he had to get up here on Sunday mornings and say, okay, Sister Sally May over there, you went just a little bit too far this week. Uh, You won too many souls. Uh, You brought too many people to church today. We don't have enough seats for them. We ain't got enough baptistry robes for them. Uh, Okay, Brother Joe, uh, you gave way too much money. I know you can't afford that. Uh, I know you can't afford that sacrifice. Why don't you just bring it back just a little bit? See, I'm challenging you right now. I can feel the resistance because I'm challenging your thinking. That's what God brought me to do. But we've got to believe that that kind of faith is going to exist. You know why? You know why? Because John the Revelator said, I looked up into heaven and I saw a multitude of people that nobody could number. And Jesus prophesied that before the end comes, every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue is going to hear the word of truth. And Jesus... And God prophesied and said, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon and Simon Peter said to repent and be baptized and you'll receive the Holy Ghost and this promise is to you and to your children and to all that are what? That are afar off. Oh, 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 you want another one? And and John the Revelator said, or through the word of God, three, seven, said, it, said it seven times in Revelation chapter three. He said this, he that hath an ear, let him hear Watch this. What the Spirit is saying to who? Say it again. He said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You ready for the revelation? Who's speaking to the world? If the Spirit of God is speaking to the church, who then is speaking to the world? I got Bible for that. The Bible says, how will they hear unless we go? How will they know unless a... I'm tapping into a prophetic anointing in the Holy Ghost right now. And I'm going to tell you what this church is going to look like before the sound of that trumpet takes place. We're not just going to have, listen to me for a second. We're not just going to have one baptistry tank lined up here in the back for somebody on Sunday morning to get baptized. No, we're going to have to have baptismal Mondays, baptismal Tuesdays, baptismal tanks lined up all over the place. You know why? Because we're about to have the latter rain. We're about to have the greatest revival that this world has ever seen.
You know what the greatest compliment I've seen in the last few months uh, is when the pastor says, uh, what are we going to do? We've run out of baptistry robes. We've got more people to baptize than we've got baptistry robes. Uh, that's happened twice in 2019 uh, where we've been. And they said, well, get the choir robes. Uh, I don't care. Just baptize them. Uh, we've got a we've got a work to do. <laughs> Did an internship in California, and this ain't a long one. I got to tell this. I wasn't going to go here, but I feel the Holy Ghost. Did an internship in California for Pastor Dan Butler, and he, him and his wife had just been through it, and, and they, they got a church that ran just 150 or so people, and Several years into his, his pastorate there, his wife, who was the Sunday school director of the church, the, led the women in ministry there in the church. She was the worship leader in the church. And all of a sudden, she gets stricken with rheumatoid arthritis. I don't have time to tell the details, but the, the doctors pumped her so full of medication that it destroyed her brain. They literally said it has fried her brain. She'll be a vegetable for the rest of her life. She'll be in a coma the rest of her life. They were able to move her home. Where she laid in bed for three years as lifeless, really, responseless, no response. And after three years of that, Pastor Butler kind of got to the end of the, his rope and he knelt down in his living room on his face one morning and he began to tell God the honest report and said, God, I can't go another step. We've poured our lives into this church and. I can't do it by myself. I can't do it carrying the burden of my wife and this church and this city by myself. So, God, I'm going to resign the church. He said the moment he said, God, I'm going to resign this church, his phone rang. And so he got up and he ran into the kitchen and he answered the phone. And on the other end of the line, it was a man who Brother Butler didn't know. And the man said, is this Pastor Dan Butler? He said, yes, sir. Who am I speaking with? He said, you don't know me and I don't know you. He said, all I know is this. He said, I was just praying this morning and the Lord spoke to me and said, there's a man named Dan Butler who's going to resign his church in California and I want you to call him right now. And he looked up his number and he called Dan Butler. He said, God told me to tell you, I don't know what this means, he said, but God told me to tell you, do not give up. Do not resign your church because God is about to heal your wife. And when he does, revival is going to hit your church like never before. It was two weeks later at about three in the morning when Sister Pam Butler, for the first time in three years, woke up from the coma. She said, I sat up and I put my feet on the floor and her husband's still asleep. She said, when I stood up, she said, I knew I'm under the influence of a demonic spirit. She said that demonic spirit led me right into the kitchen. She said, when I got into the kitchen, I pulled out a drawer and I, I grabbed the scissors and I let down my long uncut hair and put my hair between the two blades of those scissors. She said, just as I was about to clamp those scissors shut, she said, a light came in to the kitchen and began to do spiritual warfare with that spirit, that demonic presence. She said, I don't know how long it was, but that light overwhelmed the darkness. And when it did, she said, I dropped the scissors to the floor. And the moment the scissors hit the floor, she said, I was completely healed just like that.
Pastor Dan Butler said, he woke up moments later to the sound of his wife singing and the smell of eggs and bacon on the skillet. He said, I walked into the kitchen and there she stood in the kitchen singing. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? I tell you the truth, in the last several years, that church has seen hundreds, in fact, over a thousand new souls receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I speak right now to the families of this church uh, again in the anointing of God uh, that has faced attacks uh, and opposition that you never imagined you would see. Uh, God's getting ready to pull back the curtain. Uh, He's getting ready to make sense of it all. Uh, He's getting ready uh, to release you uh, with authority uh, and anointing uh, that you have never seen before. I want you to lift up your hands just for a moment right now. Brother Mike McGurk, the Lord just spoke to me and told me to tell you and your wife uh, to lift up your eyes unto the hills. Uh, God said, I'm on my way. Uh, I've heard your prayers. Uh, I've heard your cry. Uh, lift up your eyes unto the hills uh, and see that your help uh, is on the way. Uh, he's on the way. Uh, I feel like speaking that to the leadership of this church. Uh, he's on the way. Uh, he's on the way. Uh, he's on the way. Uh, the King of Kings uh, is on the way. Uh, the for the Omega is on the way. The beginning and the end is on the way. Lift up your eyes. Jesus said, lift up your head for your redemption. It's on its way. Your redemption is on the way. Ha 
Pastor Wright, I feel led to tell you in this congregation uh, that you're about to see a dimension shift uh, when this church, uh, this church is going through something right now to learn how to speak with authority, uh, to learn how to speak with authority. Some of you listen to me for just a second. Uh, I feel led, you, you tell me, Pastor Wright, if I get anywhere crazy, you just pull me back. I feel led to tell your pastor right now, Brother Wright, you're about to speak in a dimension of authority where no longer you're going to have to preach about it. You're not going to have to pray about it. But God's put an authority inside of your voice that when you speak it, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I'm telling you right now. There's about to be, there's about to be lost souls that come into this sanctuary and don't even make it to the altar. But during the preaching and during the worship, start speaking in tongues for the very first time. There's going to be people that come in by this way who are sick and diseased, who don't even have a chance to get to the altar. But the moment the voice of authority is released, there's going to be healing. And deliverance that take place. In the name of Jesus, I take dominion, power, and authority over every thought of doubt, over every spirit of unbelief, over every spirit that has tried to stop the man and woman of God from walking by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, I release the gift of faith now. Uh, once you're listening for just a second I'm going to give some instruction right now I didn't have this anywhere in my 12 hours of notes here, but I want you to get this. And I feel like this is going to help release us by faith tonight. The Bible says that Abraham, he was old. He was 100 years old. And God said, I have already made you a father of many nations. He didn't even have one son yet. He did not say, I'm about to do it. I will make you. He said, I've already done it. See, we we know what the prophetic is. Prophetic is speaking of things of the future that will come to pass in the future. But there's another word called proleptic, which means speaking of future things as if they've already happened. He said, I've already done it, Abraham. See, we get stuck in the here and the now. 
and our perception. And that's why Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Get your eyes off of your perception, off of your perspective, off of what you can see. He said, lift up your heads for your redemption. What's your redemption? The thing he purchased for you. He said, the thing I purchased for you is coming near. But you can't receive it with your head down looking at your situation. So the Bible says, and Abraham, watch this, did not consider his own body, which was dead. Now, he was a living being, but his ability to reproduce was dead. You want to talk about an excuse that's worth talking about? Let's talk about your own body being dead. I mean, he didn't have a flat tire. He had a dead body. He couldn't just pay the light bill. He, he, he had no way, no ability to do what God said you're about to do. And if he had spent his time looking at his ability, he would have missed the purpose and plan of God's promise. And God, ha. Uh, God is speaking to men and women alike and young people in this room saying, I'm calling you to do things that your own ability. You say, but I don't have the education. I don't have the degree. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the articulation. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. He said, it doesn't matter because I've got it. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. Most of the time, God calls those who don't have it so that when we brag about who did it, we can only lift our hands and say, he did it. It says, he would not consider his own body, which was dead. He did not have the ability to do what God told him to do. But he said, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I don't know how this is going to happen. Uh, I'm just keeping my eyes on you. Uh, oh, I wish I could preach a little bit more. Uh, you know how Simon Peter walked on that water that day? When he kept his eyes on Jesus. Uh, he, uh, If he had looked at who he was and, and looked at his ability, he would have said, I don't know how to walk on water. I can't even swim. I can't even fish. But when I keep my eyes on Jesus uh, and I walk by faith, uh, I can walk on the impossible. I can do things that nobody else has ever done before so I speak this and I'm getting out of the way I'm prophesying to you in the Holy Ghost that God is reaching for you into a dimension of the unknown and the unseen the things that no one has ever done before and we get compromised because we try to compare what we're doing with those around us and God says stop comparing I'm trying to bring you into a new thing that no one has done before. And if you compare, you will compromise. If you compare to those around you, you will compromise your purpose and your plan. I'm calling you into a dimension of faith. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to speak the word of authority, the word of faith. We're not going to pray about it. We're not going to talk about it. He's already talked about it. He's already spoken it. It says, according to that which was spoken. He's already spoken it. He's the one who calleth those things which be not as though they were. He said, oh, it's dark in your life. I say it's day. He says, oh, you're broke. I say you're whole. Oh, you're dying. I say you're living. Oh, they're lost. I say they're found. He speaks to those things that are not as though. Oh, you don't have the ability. I speak the ability into your voice right now. 
So we don't have to talk about it and we don't have to do it. Moses didn't say, but I can and I'm not and I don't know how. God says, if you just step out by faith and speak the word of faith and the word of authority and you say, thus it shall be, thus it is written, thus it shall be, thus it has been spoken and thus I shall receive. Hallelujah. If you have a sickness in your body that is specific and urgent, something that you know it's there in your body right now, you you could even name it maybe. You know where it is, and you know that it's so specific that when it's gone, you'll know that it's gone. If you have something like that in your body that should not be there, a sickness, a disease, a pain, an infirmity, whatever it might be, something that's so specific that in the next few moments when it's gone, you'll know it's gone. I want you to raise a hand right now. You've got a sickness in your body. Amen. There's hands going up. Keep it up all over these, this sanctuary. We've got hands going up in each section right now in Jesus name. I want to ask for those hands that have gone up. I want you to come first to this altar because we're going to speak the word of authority into your sickness, into your body right now. I'm asking you to come as quickly as you can to this platform in the name of Jesus. Is there anyone in this room? That has never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Would you raise a hand? You've never received God's spirit on the inside with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So if your hand is down, that means you're saying, oh, yes, I've received God's spirit and I'm a tongue talker. I've spoken in tongues. That's what your hand down means. Okay. 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 We got to do it this way. Who has already received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? So if your hand is up, you're saying, I have received the Holy Ghost. Now it's easier to see whose hands are down. There's a couple over here whose hands are down. There's any, anybody else? There's another over here. Now, I want our apostolic people to step out by faith. And if you see someone around you whose hand is down, just say, hey, friend, would you like to come receive the Holy Ghost today? It's that easy. Would you like to come receive the gift of God's Spirit today? Just go ahead and ask them. It's that easy. Go ahead and ask them. There's a couple right here. Would someone ask them? I think she just said she's not coming. That's okay. If she doesn't want to come, that's fine. There's no problem with that. We're not going to force anybody. God can touch you right there, sister. I believe you came here for a reason tonight. Amen. There's nothing more unique about this spot than that spot other than the fact that you are tangibly taking a step of faith. But you can take a step of faith right where you're sitting right there in Jesus' name. Amen. Less than a year ago, I just, I watched a deaf man, a deaf man who's, they said he's 95% deaf in the middle of the preaching. This is what I'm talking about, Pastor. This is going to start happening in this service. If it hasn't happened yet, it's about to happen. In the middle of the preaching, this deaf man had his hearing aids on. He started turning them down. He said, this preacher's too loud. I am pretty loud. He started turning his hearing aid down, nine, eight, seven, six. The whole time I'm preaching, he's turning his hearing aid down, thinking, what? They got the speakers too loud or something. 95% deaf from the, from the day he was born. By the time I gave the altar call, he had taken them hearing aids completely out. He walked up to the bishop of that church, Pastor Darren Gilbert's church, walked up to the bishop and said, here, bishop, I don't need these hearing aids anymore. God just healed my ears. Nobody laid hands on him. The spirit of God was moving. He was sitting towards the back. So I'm saying this whole place is about to turn into an altar call right here. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God's about to move upon you in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm asking for the saints, and I'm asking for those who, who are ready to take that step of faith and authority right now. I want you to come and get as close as you can to this altar because we're just simply going to pray the prayer of faith tonight. I want you to come as quickly as you can to this altar. I want you to get as close as you can right now. We're going to pray together. Amen. I want you to come quickly. No hesitation. No fear. We're going to speak the word of faith. In Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you, God. You are great and greatly to be praised. We highly exalt your name tonight above all. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to pray together. 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 Now, I don't know what your specific need is. Would you just listen for one second? I don't know what your specific need is, but God knows. We've got people here with urgent physical needs in their body right now. We're going to pray, and guess what? God's going to do a work of healing in this room right now. Everybody say, right now. In the name of Jesus, right now, healing will take place in your body. Tonight, it will happen in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not going to plead. We're not going to pray about it. We're going to speak the word of faith, and it's going to happen. But I believe in the next few seconds that the gift of faith is going to rush through this altar. It's going to rush through this sanctuary. And everybody that is ready to see that dimension of faith be revealed in your personal walk with God. Jesus' name. This is a dangerous prayer. Because if you pray this prayer, you've got to expect that tomorrow when you show up to work, something's going to be different. You got to expect that when you show up, like Moses coming down off the mountain, they said something's different about you. You got to expect that when I show up tomorrow, something is going to be different. I'm going to speak differently. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to walk differently because God has changed me from the inside out. In fact, what we need is this right now for you to activate your faith. I want uh, several of our apostolic men who are filled with the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name. I want you to come get close to these men right here who need healing in their body. If you need healing in your body one more time, raise your hand. We're going to have some apostolic men come pray for you. And now we need some apostolic women who will come and gather around these other women that need healing right now. You see them with their hand raised. I need some apostolic women to come and get ready to speak the word of faith. Uh, hey, we're not going to sit here and, and grumble and complain about it. We're going to speak the word of faith in the name of Jesus. There's a couple of sweet ladies right here that need some apostolic women to come and pray for them right here. There's a man. Y'all ready to pray for him? Amen. Everybody near somebody that's going to pray, lay their hands on them in the name of Jesus. Now look, Simon Peter spoke to the crippled man and simply said, such as I have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. We're about to speak the word of faith. I want you to lift up your hands right now. And when I simply say in the name of Jesus, I want you to begin to lift up your voice with faith. When I say in the name of Jesus, I want you to lift up your voice of faith and simply begin to receive what God has promised. When I say in the name of Jesus, I want every hand lifted and every voice lifted and receive the gift of faith that God is about to perform in your life by the authority of the word of God. And by the power of your name, God, we release the gifts of healing. We release the gift of faith. I command you to be healed in your body right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice. 
Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Now. No more average. No more average. No more average. But I speak an apostolic faith. I speak an apostolic lifestyle. I speak a sacrificial faith in the name of Jesus. Disturb our spirits. Disturb our soul. Disturb our thinking, God. Get us out of this box. Get us out of this box. Get us out of this confinement. Break us loose. I loose you in the name of Jesus. I speak healing into your body right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak relief from pain. I speak a cleansing from that disease. I speak a cleansing into your soul. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, I speak the working of miracles to be done in this room, all over this room. In the name of Jesus. God, sweep through this place like a rushing mighty wind. Captivate our thoughts and imagination. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up a voice of faith. Lift up a voice of faith. Lift up a voice of faith. I release, I release this church into the dimension of the unknown, into the dimension of faith to see what God has promised.